Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hello, everyone. I am Ashley Manta, the canisexual, and I am here with my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Shannon Chavez. We are sitting in for Carol and David on this week's episode of the Sexy Lifestyle Podcast. Are you ready to spice up your sex life? Well, you've come to the right place because that is what the sexy lifestyle is all about. We are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. And we love talking about everything related to sex, sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown, and hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex, because great sex matters, and we all deserve it. Have you ever been curious about how cannabis can improve your intimacy and your sexual health and wellness? On today's show, Dr. Shannon and I are going to be sharing our sex and cannabis origin stories and the specific sexual health benefits that drew us to this powerful plant. I will discuss my journey with overcoming pain with penetration, and Dr. Shannon will share all about her life with endometriosis and how cannabis has become a vital ally in her sexual wellness toolkit. But first, as we do on every show, let me tell you all about our must-have top waterproof blanket, which now comes in four reversible colors because no one wants to sleep in the wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not. So if you're fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils, silicone lubes, and all other sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking brand new. And we now have a new sexy pink and blue reversible blanket, both colors representing the ribbons supporting breast cancer and prostate cancer awareness. And to support the cause, we'll donate $5 from each blanket sold to a charity that helps cancer survivors get back in the sack because great sex matters and cancer survivors deserve it too. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply go to Amazon and search for Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket, and order yours today. Great sex starts now. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and I am Ashley Manta, the Canisexual, and I am so excited to introduce you to my guest co-host. Dr. Shannon Chavez is a nationally recognized expert therapist, and educator specializing in all things sexuality, including help for men, women, LGBT+, and couples. The treatment of sexual disorders, sex education for conservative religious and cultural groups, sexual trauma and abuse, and compulsive behaviors surrounding love, romance, and sex. She also wrote a guide for clinicians on the treatment of love addiction through the use of attachment-oriented psychodynamic therapy, proving that she has actually written the book on it. She works with various organizations and programs as a presenter, spokesperson, media commentator, and consultant in sexual health and wellness, relationships, and mental health. 
Thank you so much for being here, Shannon. I'm so excited to be here, and I, I love this topic and love that we get to talk about it together. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about how you and I came to sex and cannabis. And I know for me, it really stemmed from my own history of sexual trauma. And so I lived my entire life experiencing pain with penetration. And that was such a debilitating condition to be gritting my teeth for the first five minutes of every penetrative sexual encounter to feel uncomfortable and and to be dissociating from my body because I didn't want to feel that pain. And I imagine you see that a lot in your practice too. Oh, definitely. I want to say that sexual pain is probably the most common thing I see and also something that people are most silent about. I think there's a lot of uh, you know, isolation around pain, you know, not knowing what to do, not being able to talk about it, which is why your work inspired me. So when I heard, first saw your work around sex and cannabis, I was thinking, you know, she's actually talking about this. And as someone who has endometriosis, I was thinking, you know, we need to bring this conversation to many different platforms, but especially sexual health, because we don't necessarily think of cannabis as, as something for wellness. And there's so many different applications and ways people can use it. And, uh, you know, you've, you kind of are at the forefront of the conversation. So we appreciate you. I'm so grateful to be doing this work. It was such a game changer for me back in 2014, 2015, when I found this company that was making a THC-infused oil for sex. And it was originally developed for folks who were experiencing perimenopause symptoms, who were having pain with penetration. But what they found is that it worked for all ages of people who are experiencing discomfort and that it actually really helps with lessening pain as well as enhancing pleasure. And I found that both of those things were completely true for me. And that was sort of my first entree into like, oh my gosh, in 2014, no one was talking about sex and cannabis in, in the sexual education, sex therapy world, really. And so I was like, okay, I want to come at this from like a really sex positive, queer inclusive, body positive, consent focused, obviously super important for me, like coming from a sexual violence prevention background. And it was a lot of like right place, right time, you know, writing for Leafly and Dope Magazine and and starting to get out there. And the more things I tried, whether it was, you know, smoking flour or doing edibles or tinctures, topicals were the most effective until I found suppositories. And suppositories, and we're going to talk about this throughout this episode, but suppositories were such a game changer for me because not only did I have pain with penetration like right at the opening, but I also have a very sensitive cervix. And so anytime I had a partner who was like deeper, would go deeper than I was, you know, because they were so long, it would hit my cervix and it just felt like getting punched in the stomach, right? <laughs> like... I'm so glad you brought up suppositories. I mean, we talk about that all the time. And anytime I can bring that into conversation with people, I'm like, oh, suppositories, have you tried these? It's just such a, a different way to address the pain, but also dealing with your body because you have to kind of, you know, you have to insert them. You have to, you know, deal with your sexual health in different ways, which can help you kind of accept what you're dealing with and where your body is moment to moment with, as you know, with pain and I know with endometriosis, it's can change and fluctuate frequently. It can. And so having things that you can reach for that you know are going to make a difference, it really helps kind of put you back in the driver's seat of your sex life and, and to feel empowered to take care of your body. And that's, I think, really, really crucial. And so I'm curious for you, like, how did cannabis show up in your life early on? When did you start to figure out that it was helpful for endo? Tell me about your journey. 
I would say, you know, I, I've always been very pro-cannabis. I've seen a lot of benefits from, you know, dealing with stress, anxiety. But when dealing with endometriosis, it's a chronic inflammatory disease. And most of the treatment is taking painkillers because of the pain. The pain is pretty extreme. It can be for some people. But I think for many, there's a lot of side effects of painkillers. I myself am very sensitive and also don't want to be taking something that can have long-term effect or damage on the body. So I was really open to what else is out there. And one community I joined was this community, a Facebook group, Endometriosis and Cannabis, that would share a lot of products that people were using. And that kind of created permission on one hand. It also kind of validated the fact that women don't have a lot of options for pain, especially in the medical world. There's not a lot of options. So uh, cannabis became a perfect way to address that. And for me, it was experimenting with different products, but I found that someone that, you know, I have stage four endo, which is pretty severe, that uh, suppositories, topicals were the most effective. And uh, yeah, and so I want people to know that that's an option because it can really help with even prevention later on with inflammation. So people need to know that there's a lot of different ways that you can use it. And also it can help with some of the struggles that we have with endometriosis, which is waiting too long when now we have even more complications with, with uh, how endo affects other parts of the body. Yeah, it's been interesting to see, you know, as it's March and Endometriosis Awareness Month, the information about all the different body systems that endo can impact. It's not just the reproductive. It's not just, you know, having heavy periods or, or pain. Can you talk a little bit more about like all the different ways endo can kind of show up in your body? Yes. I mean, we've heard so long. It's sort of a reproductive disease. It causes infertility. You know, those are definitely true things, but it's an inflammatory disease and it can affect any organ in the body. There's actually research that shows that people have had endometriosis in the brain. Certain stages, it can affect the lungs and the heart. So mainly it can spread to any organ, which is why it's something that we need more research around to understand what are some of the things that can trigger endometriosis? Is it hereditary? You know, what are some of the factors that can really help women address it early on? Because most women, it takes around eight years to get a diagnosis. <clears throat> and the diagnosis can only come from laparoscopic surgery. So you may have sort of indications that you might have endo. You're having pain or heavy periods, as you said, some of these symptoms, but a lot of women may have just GI disturbances, gastrointestinal issues, or dealing with discomfort that's not related to reproductive organs that they may be misdiagnosed, IBS or other issues. So it can take a really long time to get the right treatment, the right diagnoses, even doctors that believe you. That's a big struggle for many women is that it's called the invisible disease, which means that you can't see it. People may say, you look fine, or, oh, it's normal to have heavy periods. And they normalize these symptoms that are you know, debilitating for women. And so uh, you know, the more we understand about it, the better we can get treatment. And not all treatment is the same. You know, going to a specialist who does the right surgery is important. You know, I had the mistake of thinking, you know, any gynecologist is going to be a specialist in endometriosis, and that's not the case. It's really important to get the right care. And the care that's important is not just the medical side, but also uh, lifestyle changes, you know, stress management, uh, what you're putting into your body and the choices that you're making just in day-to-day -day life. 
So there's a lot to consider. That's why it's nice to have community that's talking about it. What I like about Endometriosis Awareness Month is there's a lot of information, not just on treatment, but all the, the different things that we can have at our fingertips as resources to help get through it. The resources are so crucial, and I love that this month exists so that we can be having these conversations, and I'm grateful to be having it with you, and I'm grateful that you and I get to do this work together. So let's talk a little bit about like the things that – how we came to be – you know, hosting podcasts and running retreats and and doing all of these fun projects together because <laughs> it's been a really cool trajectory of our our friendship and our business relationship. It is. I mean, it's great when your friends are brilliant and you look up to them. I mean, I've always looked up to your work, and it's it's important in our field to find people that you connect with the vision and the mission, which I think that we both had a lot of the same of. You know, what who we want to help and how we want to help and what we want to create, creating different experiences, which is what I love about what we're doing now with our experiential work and retreats is, is you know, creating something different for people and bringing together our skill sets. And it's it's been really fun and rewarding, which is, you know, a, a lovely thing to have in your work. It's so delightful. And I remember you know, hearing about you years ago, you know, living in LA, there, there is sort of a sex educator, sex therapist community that we're, a lot of us are a part of. And, and I just remember seeing you presenting and I was like, oh my God, she's so good. She's so vivacious and, and passionate and, and well informed about all these topics and nerdy like I am. And, and then, you know, where I feel like our friendship was really cemented was at my 33rd birthday party. (laughs) In Malibu. <laughs> An unforgettable event, that's An for sure. <laughs> unforgettable event um, where I was celebrating this very witchy birthday, you know, the double threes. And, and Shannon was sweet enough to come out to Malibu for the evening. And I had a threesome with two of my lovers who were there. And, and Shannon and my best friend Katie and our hostess Nicoletta all were kind enough to to be our little peanut gallery watching this whole thing unfold. And I will never forget looking up and seeing the three of you all sitting next to each other with your eyes really big. <laughs> and like, I was waiting for somebody to start passing around popcorn. But like, just just like three owls on, on a ledge, just like <laughs> looking and... And I felt like, oh, my God, I love that I get to do this with my friends and colleagues that like, it's just okay. It was better than any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it was a good time. And and then, you know, last year is when I think we really started to get to spend a lot more time together and realized very quickly that our passion for cannabis was such a cool, like, uniting thread in our friendship and that it was just so nice to like, go up to the mountains together and and smoke and relax and and you know there is an energy between cannabis consumers that like we just vibrate on this very chill frequency and and share our passion for music and and your passion for prince and write some amazing stories i think we've written some really great uh stories while we were on our retreat yes yes <laughs> we both have a love of erotica and sort of primal um fantasies and and really fuzzy beasts that that we we fantasize about having these crazy encounters with 
And just like sitting around getting stoned talking about like what would happen if Bigfoot showed up. (laughs) Hey, that's one other benefit of cannabis is the creativity and the playfulness. And, you know, it just opens up so much, which has been really fun. And, you know, coming together with you and being creative, it's just, yeah, it's it's been so fun. I mean, we have a lot of work to do. We have so much that we have on our plate to to tackle and I'm excited we're going to travel the world and go to amazing places so Fuck yes like we're just we were, getting started we are just getting started we were just in Hawaii in September running a group uh for women on with sexual empowerment our pleasure camp offering and you know that was a really cool to kind of bring it back to cannabis and pain with penetration to hear a lot of the women at the retreat talking about how pain has impacted their sex lives in such a profound way and how cannabis was really helpful in in overcoming some of those things. One of the women um, was getting Bartholin cysts, which are these cysts that you get in these glands that are around your vaginal opening, and, and they can be quite painful and often require surgical intervention. And she shared that cannabis was really powerful for her in in helping with the pain after surgery, like systemically, and also like in the location specific way where, you know, when she would apply topicals, it made such a difference. Exactly. I think that, you know, we learned so much that sex is painful, especially early on, if you're especially conservative communities. I mean, I work with so many people coming from conservative cultures and backgrounds where they actually hear the message from family or social environment that yes, sex is supposed to hurt. So they may normalize that pain over a long period of time. But yet, you know, when we're in these circles with women, we get to kind of hear that, wait, you know, there's a different way or I can do something to improve that that's going to help on a lot of different levels. I think even with endo, it's, yes, physical, but it's also such a mental uh drain in terms of, you know, dealing with pain on a day-to-day basis, getting up and knowing that it's going to be hard to get through the day. So cannabis also helps on that level of kind of shifting your energy and shifting gears so that you can think about something other. So for a lot of women with endometriosis, it's, it's nice to have that, you know, something that helps me think about something other or engage in something else other than kind of thinking about or identifying with pain so often. And I think that's an important thing for for sex as well. I mean, how many times do we hear that from our clients? You know, I just can't get out of my head or I'm, you know, so focused on this bad experience I had. So there's, you know, just a way to kind of shift you into a different uh, energy, but also help you be more present. I know that that's helped a lot with cannabis and pain because when you're feeling comfortable and you can relax where that tension exists, it just allows you to breathe differently and move differently, which is so, so important when you're dealing with, again, chronic pain. Endo can be painful for some, but those that have more severe cases, it's a daily, it's a daily thing. And it doesn't, you know, there's a lot that you need to do to manage it. There's so much that you need to do. And I love that you talked about the presence aspect of pain because, you know, having pain with penetration, especially with partners who are um, more endowed, where it's going to be extra uncomfortable for that initial penetration, I would find myself so distracted that like I couldn't enjoy what was happening because I was so busy 
trying to put my body into just the right position that maybe it wouldn't hurt or or like piling on the lube and and having to really like manage every second of the experience instead of just being able to enjoy it and and receive and and be in in the moment i was so distracted by like oh god it's going to hurt the anticipation of the pain and then like trying to mitigate it however you possibly could Exactly, exactly. I, I had a very similar experience too, where I, I never had pain with sex, but I had such discomfort, GI discomfort, and that led to body image issues and just not feeling good in your body, which makes you maybe reject touch and the things that could really help you feel nourished and you start avoiding. And then that leads to, you know, feeling depressive and anxious or, you know, thinking of it as, you know, I have to be really careful. I'm not going to feel really sexy when I'm having, you know, connection with my partner. So there's there's a lot that, that kind of goes into that. But yes, it, it makes you very very distracted and not as present as you could be. So to have, you know, a way to kind of quiet that a bit and be more embodied, even if you're not doing all the things, it can be so, so rewarding. And just again, in your control, I can actually enjoy this and there's something I can do about it. Exactly. How empowering to be able to, to take ownership of your pleasure and to be able to take ownership of your body and, and, and make sure that you're taking care of it. Um, now we're going to hang on for a second. We need to do a quick shout out to one of our show sponsors and we will be right back. This is the sexy lifestyle. I'm Ashley Manta, the canisexual here with Dr. Shannon Chavez. Stay here. We will be right back. Let's just tell everybody about topless travel and the amazing trips that we have planned for next year. Absolutely. And if you're looking for the sexiest and most erotic vacation experiences ever, then you need and absolutely must book with Topless Travel. From Hedonism 2 in Jamaica, Desire in Cancun, and all the Bliss Cruise adventures, Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. Their trips are all about pushing boundaries, exploring your naughty side, and meeting and partying with tons of sexy fun people. Now let's shout out to all their exclusive sexy host couples, including Party Mark. They are there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. And you'll find us on lots of the amazing Topless travel trips but listen up you know we go to Hedo a lot with them we're going to be back at hedonism 2 for their sexy silver event from october 21st to 28 2023 it's going to be a pre-halloween week-long bash and we'd love for you to come and join us there and new for 2024 listen up Topless Travel is putting together not one, but two bucket list trips from where we're going to be broadcasting. First, we will be exploring the ancient pyramids of Egypt, followed by a seven-day riverboat cruise down the Nile to Jordan from March 2nd to 13th, 2024. And on the second bucket list trip, we'll be heading to Kenya for an African safari to witness the Great Migration, glamping in the wild savanna from September 2nd to 11th, 2024. Space is very limited on both of these trips. I think they're already sold out by 70%. So if you don't want to miss out on these amazing adventures um, with all these other open-minded, sexy friends, then go and book your spot today and do it before it's too late. And for more information about these trips or any of the topless travel events, go to thesexylifestyle.com and click on the topless travel events link to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. I'm Ashley Manta, the canisexual, sitting in for Carol and David today. Now let's get back to our show with the brilliant Dr. Shannon Chavez. 
so Shannon, you know, we talked a lot about the personal experience of, of sexual pain. Can you talk a little bit about what you see with clients of how that impacts relationships when a partner is dealing with, with chronic pain in any form, whether it's pain with penetration, endo, or other things where sex can be or things around sex can be painful? How does that impact their romantic relationship? Yes, I think uh, there can be a difficulty with, you know, how do we communicate? Because there's not always quick solutions. And I think couples, when they're addressing any concern, they come at it from a solution-focused perspective. All right, we're, what can we do to change it? How can we address it? So I think for many couples, if there's not a lot of quick answers, they may feel stuck or maybe we don't need to talk about it. Or are we talking about it even if we're not engaging in sex? So I think that's important that we're still talking about our desire for pleasure, the things that we may want or need even outside of, of what we're doing now. And that can open up opportunities for trying new things or exploring. I think what you don't want to do or what I see a lot of couples do is think of it as, all right, this is just an individual isolated issue rather than looking at it as the dynamic that affects the entire relationship. I know a lot of partners that are the partners of those dealing with pain feel helpless. You know, I can't do anything. I don't want to cause you more pain. So they may also be very careful and um, avoid and maybe asking for a partner to participate in their pleasure or, you know, still initiating types of, of bonding, even though sex may be off the table, certain types of sex may be off the table. So I think that's why communication is important. We don't want to make any assumptions. I always tell couples, if it hasn't been spoken, it doesn't exist. So even though we may think our partner is feeling this way, we don't know. I mean, let's be curious and ask. And remember, you're a team, you're working together. So I think couples often feel, right, we have to figure this out on our own rather than support each other and figuring it out together, even if that's going to doctor's appointments together or trying new things together and making you being really creative, all right? If, if your body is feeling a little tense and uncomfortable or you're dealing with flare-ups this week, let's find a way to make your body feel really comfortable. Let's put a bunch of pillows down and sensual objects. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do, but the conversation needs to happen. And that's often why people come into therapy. They're help, needing some help facilitating that conversation. But I always tell people it's better to start somewhere than nowhere. So even if you don't, if you're saying I don't know what to do, that's a good place to start because you can only figure it out from there. Exactly, and I love that you talk about the team approach because when clients come to me, I always tell them like it's not you versus your partner; it's you and your partner versus the issue, like whatever's coming between you, yes. whether it's pain or discomfort or or feeling self consciousness around your body, like you two are a team us and that's how you address it because if it becomes adversarial then it, it's this zero-sum game where you have to give something up for me to win and that's just not a good relationship to be in and and i find especially when couples have you know desire discrepancy it typically stems from either something about the sex that's not satisfying from a pleasure perspective or something about the sex that's actually uncomfortable and the person that's feeling that discomfort or the dissatisfaction, you know, what I see so often with my couples is that person shuts down all affection in their relationship because they don't want anything to signal 
I want sex because there's this very like linear trajectory from flirtation, kissing to, okay, this is going to end with penetration. And if they don't want penetration because it hurts or because it doesn't feel good because their partner, you know, flops around for five minutes, comes and then rolls over and goes to sleep, they don't want anything because they're so avoidant of that being the concluding act of, of the experience. And so I think it's so important for couples to talk about these things. I love that, you know, you are available for your clients and in a therapeutic capacity because you get to also address like the mental health and trauma and things that could be going on. And I address the more like holistic kinds of, of real-time issues that come up and how to have those conversations. So for anyone out there, if you're like, should I do coaching or therapy? The answer is both. You know, they're both valuable. I, I think it, it's better to do something than nothing. And I think, you know, that's kind of where couples are stuck, whether they're doing one approach or the other, is that they're they're in the same patterns of behavior, the habits, the habits around sex, the expectations are the same. Yet we, if you think about it, we evolve and change in every other aspect of our life, but sex remains the same. You know, we want to stay safe in doing the same things. We don't want to think outside of the box, literally in all the ways that we can. So it, it just keeps us in these patterns of not uh, being creative with pleasure. That's why I love the work that we do, because we're really encouraging people to be creative with pleasure, you know, finding different ways. That's why we're out in nature, being creative with, with nature, finding the erotic in any setting, rather than it just being about the mechanics of sex. Exactly. It's not just positions or or specific techniques. It's really about coming to sex from a creative, like what would feel good in this moment? Let's play together and have fun and make it enjoyable and sensual and not just another box that we're checking along the way. And, you know, cannabis is so great for that because I imagine you've seen this in your clients. I've certainly seen it in mine that when they smoke a little bit or, or you know, maybe do edibles or whatever it is, a little bit of mind altering, just a ton, a, a, just a touch, not, not enough to make them stoned off their asses, but just enough to kind of open up that, that creativity a little bit more. It does seem to help with having difficult conversations. Have you found that to be the case? I have. It kind of lowers those inhibitions a little bit, maybe quiets the overthinking mind and allows, uh, again, the presence. So I can hear you and I can be present, but I'm not react as reactive because I'm not as tense. I'm not kind of thinking about, you know, what to say in response to this. I can be even in disagreement and still be present with you, which I think is a skill that a lot of couples may not learn until they're in that altered state where they're, again, more relaxed and more present and feeling more bonded. Well, you're doing something together in that way. It might feel safer than it would be if we're having a conversation. I always say the worst thing for couples to say is we need to talk Oof. and, uh, you know, creating an expectation around there being something that we need to address. I see that with communication too. We talk a lot about problems and concerns and pain and discomfort, but we often don't talk about what's working for us, what we like, what we what our values are, what's really uh, what's really touching us around sex, whether it's things that we're reading or doing, you know, things that are, are kind of always in our, our sexual realm. And we're talking more about the problems. So it, it is good to change that 
that mindset and, and change the tone of the conversation so that it doesn't feel so serious. I think that's also important with couples. Pain is serious. Yes, we can admit that, but it's also something that's not our full identity. And I had to learn that with endometriosis. Yes, I have it. Yes, it's a big part of my life, but it's not who I am. It's just this thing I deal with and it's manageable, even though it may take up a lot of space. There's still, there's still space for other things. It is important to have that balance. That balance is crucial. And I think to your point that like so often when couples are talking about sex, it's because something's not going well. It's something that they want to be different and more of that they are just like, this isn't working for me. And it is equally important to be talking about the things that are working, that you're excited about, that, you know, I love having a post-sex debrief where it's like, what were your favorite parts? Like, let's talk about the highlight reel of all of the things. And I was just at a wedding in Las Vegas this week, and one of the things that one of the the bridesmaids suggested to the couple was, can you come to conversations from a place of who can be the most kind in this conversation? Like, here's the contest. Whoever is the most kind wins. And I was like, what a beautiful way of approaching those things instead of coming from a place of like defensiveness or criticism, you're doing this wrong, you're pressuring me, you're stressing me out, I don't like this, why do you always, you know, all of those kinds of of conversational traps that we see with couples all the time. And instead coming from a place of, you know, maybe with cannabis fueling it, can we be just so kind to each other? Can we be so loving? And not in a, a flowery, insincere way, but like in a genuine, I recognize that you are someone that I care for deeply and your happiness and comfort and pleasure matter to me, how can we help create space for that together? I love that. That's so amazing. I had a couple that I work with who had to remind each other to practice kindness. And it seemed like such a simple concept, but yet, as you're saying, you know, when you actually say it out loud and, and make an effort or commitment to do that, you realize that, yes, maybe I have been a little sarcastic or passive aggressive or, uh, you know, couples get like that, you know, defensive around things. And we start to see all these other issues in our relationship show up as a result of maybe what's happening at the core of our intimacy. And, and yes, to be able to say, yeah, kindness, that makes me feel good. It feels good to be kind. Kindness is sort of like pleasure. It, it's joy. It evokes a lot of emotional memory. We want to tap into that, but yet we might need permission to actually practice that and remember that that's a part of that's a part of the the buildup. You know, to be kind and to you know whether that's flirting or compliments. I love that. You know, I, every time I see my partner, I try to make an effort to say you look good. I love your smile. I mean, whatever I'm feeling or thinking and kind of taking in something that feels good and letting him know that I'm feeling good in that moment. It's not always sexual, but it definitely is a nice energy exchange. That's such a beautiful practice. And I think it's something that more couples would benefit from is is really intentionally noticing things that you love and appreciate about the other person and sharing them. Because, you know, I think we kind of get into this mindset of like we're doing our day-to-day stuff and things are busy and, and life is hectic and and we we think to ourselves that we appreciate these things, but we sometimes forget to say them out loud and, you know, that our partners are not mind readers, both in the things that we want sexually, but also just in the day-to-day. And so, like you said, if it doesn't, if you don't say it, it doesn't exist. And so really cultivating a practice around being exceptionally kind and affirming to one another is just like it's putting 
more deposits in the the relationship karma bank. Exactly. And taking control of your pleasure. You know, the more you do that, the more you practice kindness and flirt and express yourself, the more you're making yourself feel good. It's turning, you know, it can turn you on. It makes you feel like you, you know, it lights you up. And that's important, you know, not to wait for that to happen, but to say, hey, I'm in control of that. If I want to feel really good right now, I may turn it up. That's why I believe in the fake it till you make it sometimes, especially around our emotions and, you know, mind states is that sometimes, you know, Flirting, even to flirt for flirting's sake, really does help evoke a lot of, you know, feelings of closeness and playfulness and some of the things that we're just kind of stuck not feeling, or at least I see a lot of couples not feeling because they're kind of waiting for something to happen rather than taking the reins and saying, hmm, I can actually make that happen right now if I let myself go there. Exactly that. I hear couples all the time talk about how like they're just waiting for that that lightning to strike their genitals to to want sex and to feel that desire to to be engaged in eroticism with their partner. And it's like, well, sometimes you actually need to to tweak the circumstances a little bit. You need to, you know, smoke a little bit or or create like a ritual around getting relaxed together, whether it's, you know, sharing massage or cuddling or just making out and having that be its own encapsulated activity that doesn't that doesn't have to mean that you're going to have sex after that, that you're going to have penetrative sex, that it could just be sharing affection with each other and that that's okay and that's fun and that, you know, maybe desire for specific kinds of eroticism will will spring from that, but maybe they won't. And that's okay too. You don't have to be in scarcity around it. Yes, I completely agree. And I think especially when you are someone who is dealing with chronic pain, you know, whether it's endo, pain with penetration, there can be a certain amount of avoidance of sex because you don't want to experience pain and and some apprehension about getting into sexual scenarios. And so being willing to resist that and not see sex as like this this thing that has requires so much buildup and so much pressure to like do it right and make it okay that you can just enjoy doing what feels good without orgasm having to be the goal, without penetration having to be the goal and just do things that feel good and then do the next thing that feels good. Exactly. I love the good enough sex model. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Barry McCarthy model, but it's so practical. It's basically couples designing a way that sex works with their lifestyles. And I think of my own experience dealing with endometriosis. It kind of had to be you know, taking control of pleasure and not waiting for the pain or waiting for the surgery, waiting for – it was just kind of like this is – where I'm at now, and we can find a way to experience pleasure and feel good in our bodies without there having to be any one way of doing it. So as you're saying, you know, whether that's a massage or a kiss or this or that, it's really important to, to have that variety and creativity. And, and um, yeah, I mean, that taught me a lot because you may have times where you're not feeling desire for a lot of reasons, physiologically, mentally, all of the the different blocks are there and yet, you know, your mind's saying, all right, it's fine. I'm not I'm just not that sexual right now. But you, you know, really saying, but it doesn't mean I don't want to feel good. It doesn't mean I can't still access joy and pleasure and touch and, and still, uh, you know, be present with even my partner's pleasure, even if I'm not feeling, you know, again, these heightened, passionate, fiery feelings of desire. And that also, I think, goes to even how our culture 
use sex as a whole, you know, that it always has to be, you know, a big production or something, you know, uh, something big. And what I love about good about sex or good enough sex models that sometimes it's just kind of like, eh, that was okay. But even that's good sex to me. I mean, all sex is good sex if you think about it. Exactly. Like, unless it is actively bad that you are really not having a good time because it is deeply unsatisfying. Like, it can just be okay. It can just be like, that was nice. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be this mind-blowing porn sex experience every single time because we know that that's not grounded in reality. That's grounded in fantasy. Right. So we can often kind of set ourselves up for feeling less than if we have this like aspirational idea of, of that sex has to be this just knock down, drag out, mind blowing thing every single time. Like it can just be nice. Yeah. It can just be relaxing, mm-hmm. stress free, you know, silly, noisy, messy. Oh, silly for <laughs> sure. Messy. Definitely. Yeah. Like be playful, have fun, like be goofy and, and giggle and, and explore and, you know, boop each other on the nose with consent. Like, you know, whatever makes it feel safer to to just relax. And cannabis is so helpful with that to kind of take the pressure of performance away and to just be, you know, like, <laughs> you said couch, you know, <laughs> like those silly kind of stoner moments. You know, one thing you taught me about cannabis and sex is that, you know, most people think they have to get, they have to consume a lot to get the experience. And I found that people, you know, maybe a little bit wary of that. And you can just consume a smallest amount, whether that's a low dose, micro dose, edible. There's so many different ways to experience what you want. You know, do I want more body based? Do I want it to be more head? Do I want to be giggly and laughing, you know, throughout the experience? But there's a lot of different ways to control that experience. So it's so you don't feel out of control. I think that's a big misconception is that I'm going to feel out of my body, out of control rather than really dropping in and more, you know, more aware, more embodied, more connected. So that's something that I I would love people to learn about. Yes, you can find the right formula for you, the right dose for you that works for you both as a couple, that feels safe, that it can be, yeah, again, it's it's assisting. It's not solving all of those problems, but it's kind of your your nice little green helper. It's there to help. Exactly. It is your green helper. Less is more for sure, especially with edibles. Um, I see so many people overconsume and then they're on a very unpleasant ride for quite a while. And, you know, what I love about topicals and suppositories is that you're not going to get that head high. You're just going to get the physical relief, which is so valuable, especially if you are someone who has a lot of responsibilities and you don't have time, you know, hours to devote to being high, even even a little high, that you can engage with this plant in ways that are beneficial without having to be stoned. And so, yeah, microdosing is a great option. Using non-intoxicating methods are great options. And I think it's time for our next break. So let's just remind everyone that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. I'm Ashley Manta, the Canisexual, sitting in for Carol and David today. And we are having an amazing discussion with sex therapist and psychologist, Dr. Shannon Chavez. But now let us tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do. So Dr. Shannon and I have started this year offering concierge coaching. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? 
Yes. So what we wanted to do was design a, a service for people that can be personalized to where they are in their lifestyle. So concierge is really tailored to maybe the, the professional who doesn't have maybe time to do traditional therapy or coaching. And also, you know, it allows us to use both of our skill sets to create an even more immersive experience for people. So I think that was one of our biggest draws is let's bring in kind of the best of both of our worlds and create something that can be experiential, immersive, different from, you know, the day-to-day uh, type of model that can be, uh, you know, yes, personalized and, and created for and curated for each person, individual couple, all people that are interested in in utilizing something or are ready for something different. And I would say that's either people that have done traditional work and it hasn't quite been the right fit or they want, you know, they don't want to see two or three different professionals. They want, you know, to get kind of all of that in one, in one setting. Exactly. And, you know, as much as I do love the traditional model, I have clients, you have clients that you see for weeks and months and sometimes years it can be really helpful, especially for people who are like really high achieving folks who have, you know, are C-level executives or have really demanding careers in such a way that they just don't have an hour every week to sit in sessions. And and like you said, to have both um, practitioners together, it's so valuable to be able to just deep dive and get you out of your traditional life. You know, we're going away for either a weekend or a week, somewhere completely new that you can relax, that you can unplug and just focus on the healing. So that's a little bit about Shannon's and my concierge coaching. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. I'm Ashley Manta. Now let's get back to our show with sex therapist and psychologist, Dr. Shannon Chavez. So... Let's talk about how couples can start to experience these benefits from using cannabis to help with pain and like what that might look like in practice. You know, we talked a little bit about different ways that they can use it, but you know, if a couple's like, okay, you know, I heard this episode, this sounds great, where do I start? That's a great question. I think it's good to do a little bit of research and education first to kind of know what, uh, what some of these effects are going to be, and even to think about how they would incorporate that into day-to-day. I know a lot of couples do a date night or they have certain time, sex night that they dedicate, but I think we need a little bit more of that. I think if we're dealing with pain and discomfort, we need to think about an integration on a daily basis. So what are we doing on a daily basis that may not just be our sex night or big night, but that we're starting to build up to or create consistency or patterns that are kind of diffusing some of that tension that builds, especially from the discomfort of pain or disappointment or feelings that come up around not having, you know, having changes, changes to those routines, right? We're having less sex. We're not making enough time for each other. So I think it's good to kind of evaluate and be realistic. And I always talk to couples about that because not everything's going to work for everyone, but what's happening in your day to day, what is realistic? What would that look like on a daily basis? And I think it's not about making more time. I think couples have to be a bit more creative with their time because often we think that is the perception of what it is, but we're not being very mindful of that time. We might actually spend hours arguing about it, but maybe that could have been a great use of time actually with application or trying some different things. So I, I think it's it's important to, yes, understand 
more about it and maybe there's questions or concerns, address that first so that you're both feeling very much in consent and comfortable going in and then building a practice, building a routine, a I don't love the word schedule. I think it implies work, but to create a consistency and uh, habits around mm-hmm. how to uh, how to engage and connect. And you might do it on times where it's you know less loaded around sex. So let's try it when we're going on a walk in the park or doing something really nice and relaxing so we get used to it and then build it into our intimacy in different ways. But start slow is mainly my point and build up to what some of those bigger goals may be. I could not agree more. And start slow and stay slow. Like one of the biggest pieces of advice that I have for all couples is take your fucking time. We get so frenzied and excited and it comes from a good place, right? Like when when things feel good, we want to speed up because we want more and, and we have this just kind of frenetic energy around it. And especially with pain, going slow, really tapping into that sensuality, deep breathing, looking into each other's eyes, like having very intentional touch can make such a difference in allowing everyone to be able to relax and and really make the most out of what's happening. Yes. And that if something needs to be addressed, if something needs to be shifted, there's a lot of spaciousness in which to do that. It's not like, oh, okay, I need, I need you to slow down that thing you were doing three minutes ago that like I, you know, we're now into four things later and I can't exactly remember what it was, but it hurt. So to be able to call it out in real time and be like, ooh, you know, pause, time out, hold on, like to be able to share that feedback as it's happening, slowing down creates space to do that. Right. And feedback doesn't mean something is wrong. It sometimes just means we can do something better or it can be, it can feel a little bit better. So we also want to be aware of, uh, you know, not feeling so critical when we hear feedback or not thinking that feedback is shaming. You know, it's it's actually a way to be better informed and it's it means that your partner is in the awareness of what they need and that should be celebrated. We should talk about that in terms of, yes, I want to know that. That's That's really erotic to have you really be in your body and know what feels good. And also we can non-verbally communicate. I often try to get couples to communicate less from a verbal place because that becomes very much about narrating and talking about it in terms of almost a technical way, which is important in some context, depending on what we're dealing with. But it's also important to remember to be in our bodies and we can show, we can observe, we can, uh, you know, basically guide our our partners and ourselves through where we want to be and have partners watch or, uh, you know, kind of riding the hand and kind of showing them what feels good, things that are, are just different, that allow you to pay attention differently rather than being in your head and almost kind of writing a script of what needs to happen, which may disconnect you from the body experience and make it a very mental and sometimes stressful or anxiety-provoking experience, which is what we, we don't want to have. You know, sex is supposed to be fun and playful and, you know, engaging our senses and getting out of our heads is really crucial. And uh, yeah, the slowness almost forces that in some ways because you are kind of letting go of all these things that need to happen and outcomes that get in the way of just, you know, some of those subtleties. That's what I love when working with couples when they find the subtleties, you know, it was the blowing on the back of my neck or when you came and told me what was feeling good. And sometimes they're the sort of 
least uh, impressive things are the most pleasurable. So, you know, I love surprising yourself around your own pleasure when you learn what you really like and need. That is so crucial. And one of my favorite things that you actually taught me is the riding the hand technique. Can you explain that for people who are not familiar of like how to do that? Yes. It's a nonverbal way for couples to communicate. And basically the partner that is showing would have the other partner put their hand on top of yours. And the way I like to do it is imagine you're kind of sitting in a seated position uh, and your back can be leaning on your partner's chest. And so you're sort of straddling in between their legs. That way you can reach around and your hand, their hand can be right on top of yours and you can kind of guide them and start with guiding just around types of intensity and different pressures with touch And then also just very specific techniques around how you like to touch your own body. So it's it's a way to learn that allows us to be more embodied rather than thinking of it like a technical manual, which at times we can be directive, you know, left, right, harder, softer, but it's important to feel our way through pleasure rather than think our way through. And it can really be more relaxing for couples to say, oh, that was, that felt really good. Or I learned a lot and I got the pleasure in it too, because the riding of the hand is just as pleasurable as, as the one guiding with the hand. So it's been very, very rewarding for couples. And just doing that alone can be kind of a turn on and very arousing. I love that technique so much um, because I am habitually in my head. And and sometimes I talk too much during sex because I'm so in my head and I want to do everything right, quote unquote, which is, is such a trap. And so being able to have a way of showing your partner without having to verbalize to just really demonstrate. And, and there's a really beautiful erotic connection when your hands are touching and, and you're directing how this looks based on what you know feels good for your body which means you have to go into this knowing what feels good for your body. So there is a little bit of homework going into that experience. But to be able to to really orchestrate, this is how I like this part of me to be touched. And so I'm going to do it now. Maybe we switch hands and now you're on the bottom doing the touching and I'm sort of guiding you. Okay, that's a little bit too firm here. Let me pull your hand back a little bit. That's just such a beautiful way. And especially, you know, with cannabis, let's say it's me. I have pain with penetration. I have applied this topical 20 minutes before sexy fun times. And now I want to have a really nice long vulva massage because I need that before actual penetration. You know, my head says, fuck me right now. My vulva is like, absolutely not. I need a good 15 (laughs) minutes of warm up before you can actually go inside of me. And so, to have, you know, my my vulva slick with oil and to have like my hand going in between the folds and feeling all of the textures and appreciating them as my partner is riding my hand and then to have a switch like what a beautiful way of of warming up, connecting and enhancing pleasure so that they know how to touch you. Exactly. And the hands I think are the most underrated sex organ. I mean, we just sort of think of them as as they're, you know, in present and genitals are the focus, but I think hands and mouth are so important. You know, there are sensory organs. We're picking up on so much information. So handwriting, hand caressing, I always start with the hands in sex therapy because I want people to really incorporate hand touch and using your hands as tools for pleasure that don't require verbal communication. Again, the hands can pick up on a lot just through 
touch and caressing or stroking and scratching. And there's a lot of potential there. So yes, hand sex all the way. <laughs> hand sex all the way. Y'all know I am a big fan of hand sex. <laughs> the queen here, of course. Yes. <laughs> so to change gears slightly, you know, you and I are sexuality professionals, but we're not doctors. So how do we start to have these conversations with our healthcare professionals if there's pain happening? And especially if you want to be using cannabis to address that pain. You know, going to the right sources. So I've had to do a lot of trial and error with this, but there are professionals out there that are both sex-friendly, cannabis-friendly, that are very positive, that are going to be more holistic and open to different types of treatment and uh, that are, again, specialized. I I think that's important. Even though people may know how to treat it, it's important that you have someone that has experience. So I say interview your providers, ask a lot of questions, talk to Patients. I know for endometriosis, there's a forum called Nancy's Nook, and basically people share surgery reports and who's the best GYN by every area. I mean, all over the world now, it's a huge network. And so that's important because that's coming from real life experience rather than you know, a f- referral that may have worked for someone else. So I think we have to advocate for our health as best we can, which means it's okay to say that wasn't a great doctor or... Yeah, I mean, I've had some doctors that were just kind of uh, minimize the issue or they made inappropriate comments about, uh, you know, what what women are dealing with with endometriosis. So, I mean, I've also heard horror stories from clients, which I'm sure you have as well. So not all doctors are going to be compassionate and have the, you know, the right background and openness, but then there are a lot that are on the forefront. So, you know, people can contact us, they can get recommendations, you can find these great forums and groups, but I would say definitely, you know, it's... It, Finding the right fit may take some time, but you know, don't give up. Don't give up. And and don't hide. If you are worried about, you know, how your your doctor or your healthcare professional is gonna react to saying that you wanna use cannabis, like better to say it and share with them that that's what's real for you. And if they don't react well, f- to find another practitioner. Because Cannabis does interact with other medications. Like it is important for your healthcare team to know that cannabis is a part of your practices. And and if you're experiencing acute pain, like making sure that they are ruling out other things. You know, if you know that you have endo, if you know that, you know, like me, I have vaginismus, doctors for years didn't know what to tell me. They they gave me the most horrifically bad advice. Like just use lidocaine oh. to, to numb your pussy. And I'm like, nope, that's not the answer. So it took finding the right doctor to be able to go to and say, hey, I found that using cannabis is really powerful for me. And they were relieved to hear it. They were like, oh my gosh, I need to do some research on this now because I want to tell all my patients about it. I just met a nurse practitioner in Vegas who was like, this could be a game changer for my patients. And I live in a really conservative state that like I have to figure out like what that means for my license, but but I'm curious and I want to learn more. So finding those people, they are out there everywhere. But you get to kind of be a, a permission giver by having the courage to share that openly with, with your healthcare team. Exactly. Exactly. And they need to hear about that. I mean, that's what I remember telling my surgeon, like this is the only thing that works. And they were like, go for it, do it, you know, whatever is going to help. Because I think they also are, you know, trying things and figuring it out and new information is always coming in. So yeah, be be an advocate and also, you know, teach, teach the providers, as you're saying, you know, then they can kind of go out and start doing their own trainings and finding ways to bring alternatives in for people. 
Absolutely. And if you are the partner of someone who has pain, you know, offering to go with them to appointments can be such a really beautiful way to support that person because it can be daunting to walk into this like very clinical setting and, and see these professionals who, you know, have a bunch of patients every day and, and you might forget, or they might tell you something and it just doesn't land or doesn't, you know, stick. And so having someone there who can remind you what questions you wanted to ask or take notes for you, like that's a really great way to show up for each other in a relationship. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, that was crucial in my pain. I mean, my husband was like the left brain. And when I was, you know, emotionally drained, energetically drained and there to ask the questions and, and uh, yeah, take down the information too. So you're both getting the information. That's very important. Absolutely. So for our closing thoughts, our final sexy advice, cannabis is a powerful tool for both addressing pain and discomfort and increasing pleasure. There are so many ways to use cannabis that don't require you to be high, but as always, make sure you are talking with your healthcare professional about any sexual health home treatments. Um, Any closing thoughts for you, Dr. Shannon? I agree. You know, it's come a long way. There's a lot of, you know, wonderful, you know, products and companies and female-owned companies and things that are specifically focusing on this area from women that are going through it. So there's just a lot out there. And uh, yes, you know, lots of information. So utilize that and find what works for you. Definitely. For sure. And you know, Shannon and I are both women. And so we have vulvas and these are our experiences. But this is not to say that that sexual pain is limited to people with vulvas. You know, there are certainly issues that affect penis owners and people with prostates. And so it's important for everyone. You know, we didn't talk too much about it in this episode, but I found that using cannabis for anal sex has been incredibly helpful in in relieving any discomfort while increasing pleasure. And so, you know, everybody's got a butthole. So make sure that you are regardless of your genital configuration, you are looking into how cannabis can help enhance your sex life and make you more confident and empowered in your pleasure. And, you know, I'm curious to hear how everyone's experience is after hearing all of this juicy knowledge. So Dr. Shannon, thank you so much for sharing all of this incredible information. And can you tell all of our listeners how people can find your work online, on social media, and your website? Yes, I'm at www.drshannonchavez.com, social media at Dr. Shannon Chavez. I also have a group practice. We offer complimentary phone consults if anyone's interested in services. And you can find out more information about Pleasure Camp and all of the great things Ashley and I are doing as well through her website or my website. And if you missed any of this information, just go to thesexylifestyle.com, where every guest has their own guest page with all of their information. You can even contact them there if you have questions about their work. Wow. The end of another great show with another amazing guest. Dr. Shannon, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And a special thanks to you for listening week in and week out. You can find me, Ashley Manta the Canisexual, on Instagram at Canisexual, on my website, canisexual.com. I have a whole bunch of self-paced 
online courses at elevatedintimacy.com. And if you're curious about Shannon's and my concierge coaching services or our pleasure camp offerings for retreats, you can definitely find those through either of our websites. Tune in again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health, and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life. Bye. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 